You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. We're live on a Monday morning. Welcome to the Standing Room Spartans podcast. Your host, as always, Kevin Parker, riding solo again here today uh, with a very special uh, guest kind of episode here. We we did, if you listened last week, little contest for you. I said the first uh, Apple podcast review from the time that, that we went live. Uh, ask a question and I will dedicate a podcast episode to it. So, uh, my guy Tyler Beck on Twitter, uh, he was the first one to fill out a review first thing in the morning, so I really appreciate that. Um, and he had a great question, so we'll dig into that. Uh, before we do, just want to thank you guys, as always, for the support and for listening. Uh, make sure you leave a review. Uh, stop right now if you've been listening to every episode and you've never left a, a podcast review. It, it really does help me out on the Apple podcast algorithm. It, it helps kind of get your name into the relevant, you know, browsing categories and all that kind of stuff. So if you appreciate the podcast, if you like the work, you know, just just take five seconds, leave me a review. You know, you don't have to, to write a paragraph or anything. Just say great work or something. I would really appreciate that. Um, and if it's your first episode listening, I really hope you enjoy the show. Thank you so much for checking out you know, a new Michigan State uh, football podcast. So um, we'll get into this question uh, first thing here because it, there's a lot to dig into. Uh, I think it's a really interesting and exciting question. Uh, read, reading the review, blowing some smoke up my own ass here. Kevin is a great host from depth of knowledge about Michigan State football to the Big Ten as a whole. I'll definitely have to try the Lynchburg Lemonade interesting recommendation for a tailgate. Uh, cocktail. My question is, what are your top five underrated moments and or unsung heroes of the Mark D'Antonio era? So, um, of course, I'm going the and route here. So I'm giving you my top five in no particular order, top five underrated moments for the Mark D'Antonio era and top five unsung heroes, five players um, that I, you know, I really think should have gotten a little bit more uh, respect a little bit more notoriety in in the legacy of of D'Antonio's era here. So um, we'll start with the underrated moments here. I, I got five that maybe not even necessarily only five games, but but five general moments that I think were big in in molding and shaping D'Antonio's time here. 
Uh, Tyler actually gave me his list as well. So, I, you know, we'll read those off as we go along here. Really appreciate that. Uh, and then we'll get into the players as well. So just kind of we'll get right into it here with the, the top five moments And the first one here, I'm going to go to the 2010 season. This isn't necessarily just one game, um, but this is the final three games as a whole. So the the 2010 season, we start the season off 8-0. We're number five in the AP Bowl going into a game at Iowa City to take on the Iowa Hawkeyes, who were number 18 in the country at the time. We laid – laying an egg isn't even – there's no way to, for me to really explain what happened that day. We lost the game 37 to 6 and it it probably wasn't even that close. I mean, they were up 37 nothing midway through the third quarter. They could have kept pouring it on really if they wanted to. And that was a game where you think about Iowa pounding the rock, but you know, Ricky Stanzi threw for three touchdowns in that game. They had a pick six from Micah Hyde. It was just uh man I remember watching that game and just you're so excited because this is the first time Michigan State has been on this big of a stage in, you know, over a decade. So you're you're really locked into this game. And, you know, can we, you know, get over the hump here? I mean, we, we got a shot at going to a national title game, really, when you when you look at it. And uh, man, that, that's uh, that was a humbling loss, to say the least. But Obviously, the that Iowa game is not what I'm talking about here. I'm talking about the rebound from that Iowa game. We we came out the next week. We we blew the doors off of Minnesota, 31 to eight win, and then won the next two games against Purdue and at Penn State to finish off a, a Big Ten title and 11 and one regular season, and really D'Antonio's first season where we were competing for something bigger than you know, beating our rivals and, and uh, you know, trying to get nine or ten wins. This was the first time we were really competing for something bigger than that. And so I'm, I'm kind of throwing, I'm lumping these three games all together as the, the Iowa loss rebound. Because, you know, if we remember at that time, this was, the, you know, coming off of the peak same old Spartans, you know, every time that we were on a relatively national stage, you know, we just it was Charlie Brown getting the ball pulled out from under him and and just could never finish the job. And when we lost this game at Iowa, I remember all the newspaper writers, everybody, you know, hey, is this the same old Spartans? We're going to see him drop a couple the rest of the year, you know, fall out of the Big Ten title race and, and just, you know, kind of come back to earth the, the way that we know Michigan State football. And with Mark D'Antonio and that team and, and Kirk Cousins rebounding, finishing off that season, getting that Big Ten championship and, and catapulting us into this this decade-long, almost decade-long uh, run where we, you know, we were competing for, for Big Ten championships almost every season. So, you know, I, I again, I kind of lumped these three wins together, but you know, Tyler did a good job. You know, he he mentioned the 2010 Penn State game alone, which was the last game of that season, of course. And, you know, first of three Big Ten titles under D'Antonio, his first, uh, first Michigan State Big Ten title since 1990. So, you know, that that definitely deserves to be on here as as kind of one of the founding 
bricks of the D'Antonio era to, to really cement himself like, hey, this is bigger than what we know Michigan State football as. And this isn't the same old Spartans. This is a this is a whole this, there's a new sheriff in town, so to speak. So um, that that was my first real moment here is is the rebound from that 2010 Iowa loss. Now my second one here, I'm going with a a Michigan win, which is of course it's it's always it's hard to say that there's like a you know an underrated Michigan win, but. When we had so many over the course of this decade, they, they start blending together a little bit. So I'm going with the 2011 Michigan win for one very important reason. This was the 4-0 game. This was the game where an entire senior class started their career at Michigan State and graduated at Michigan State, having never lost to the University of Michigan. And and. You know, I didn't exactly dig in to see when the last time that happened was, but uh, maybe I'll get my stats guy on that right now. But to go a whole senior class, you know, after what we had dealt with the the, the early 2000s and everything that, you know, as a, as a young kid growing up in Metro Detroit where Everybody else is a Michigan fan. You know, you're one of the the 25 Michigan State fans in your school, and every year you come into the game, into game week, and you're you're talking shit. You're trying trying to do your best for your team, and, and you know that at the end of the day, that 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 rug's going to get pulled out from under you, and you'll find a way to lose that game. So, um, it was just uh, it was tough. You know, I'm not going to lie as a as a kid. I was born in 94, so really all I knew was Michigan dominance over over me. And, you know, I, I stuck through with my team. But until that, that 2011 year again where we went four straight and that cemented just real that that the the era of Mark D'Antonio and and everything after 2007 and Mike Hart's little brother statements, you know, that that situation of having a 4 and 0 run against Michigan it was something that i never thought i would see and you know i got my stats guy here on it the last time that we won four straight games against michigan was the from 1959 to 1962 so it, it really goes to show the importance of you know that run where where you know new michigan state fans coming up new recruits coming up they started to see this rivalry a lot different than I did. You know, kids that were born in, let's say, the year 2000 that are, you know, eight, nine, ten years old at that time and really just all they knew is Michigan State dominating Michigan. You know, it was different than me growing up. So um, it, that was just such a huge moment, I, I think, for us and and in the the context of that rivalry and again a lot of these Michigan games all get tied together so it's it's really hard to you know pick out one and say oh this was an underrated Michigan win um I'll I'll just kind of put that 2011 game up there and it's not a game that's necessarily memorable in a vacuum It, it was one that we just dominated from start to finish Edwin Baker at 167 yards we had seven sacks and a pick on the day, held Michigan under 100 yards rushing, and just really cemented Michigan State's dominance in the Mark D'Antonio era over Michigan. Um, so that that's my second one here. Uh, third, I have the 2013 Iowa game. 
Um, now, this was early in the season. So we started the year in 2013. Basically, this is coming off of the Notre Dame loss. But we started the season off against Western Michigan. And then South Florida came to town, Youngstown State. And we were still in the middle of a quarterback battle between Connor Cook and Andrew Maxwell. And when we went into that Notre Dame game on the road and D'Antonio basically stuck it out with with Connor Cook, I think um, Andrew Maxwell got a drive somewhere in that game. But it was more or less Connor Cook for the whole Notre Dame game. And, and it was a bad game. We, we lost 17 to 13. The offense didn't really show a whole lot of juice. Connor Cook only had, you know, 135 yards passing on 50%, you know, completion. So it wasn't a great game, but for D'Antonio to trust Connor Cook to finish that game off and then come into Iowa the next week, again, on the road and, and trust Connor Cook to start that game and finish that game was really the beginning of the Connor Cook era at Michigan State. And he, you know, really cemented himself as the starting quarterback. There was no more quarterback controversy. There was no more battles. He could go out there, play his game, make mistakes, and know that it was his job. And so, you know, he comes out in that game, throws for 277 yards and two touchdowns. We win by two scores. And it was the first of 11 straight victories that led us to a Rose Bowl win and, and a Big Ten championship against Ohio State. And so that was the first game where Connor Cook really was the starting quarterback and and the guy for Michigan State because, you know, all through that 2012 season, it was mostly Andrew Maxwell. Connor Cook started getting some shine in at the end with the Buffalo Wild Wings Bowl. But then even the start of that 2013 season, they were going back and forth, you know, switching every drive, it seemed like at the time. And so that game at Iowa where Connor Cook was finally trusted to to be the guy, and that was the start of that 2013 run. So, you know, the, the 2013 game at Iowa, it's not one that you remember in a vacuum as, as in that specific game, but it, it was the launching point for Connor Cook's career at Michigan State. It was the launching point for that 2013 season and, and everything that followed. So that's going to be my third one here. My fourth one here, I I just I, I kept coming back to it because I I don't think it's appreciated enough. I think we 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 remember some of the moments from the game, but it it seems crazy to put a, a New Year's Six Bowl victory on here. But because the Baylor Cotton Bowl was sandwiched in between uh, the the Rose Bowl and the College Football Playoff. It, it gets lost in the shuffle a little bit. Uh, and so this is one I wanted to throw on here. I don't, I won't talk about it too much. We all know what happened because we all remember the game, but the, the national importance and the legacy of the program importance of this game was, was just as big as, you know, anything that happened in that 2015 season. I'm, I'm not going to say it was just as big as a Rose Bowl because it wasn't. Uh, you know, that Rose Bowl meant so much to the program. But it it gets lost in the shuffle. I, I really believe that. It was, you know, again, we're on a national stage. It was an exciting game, a comeback win. 
and, and it was just something that I think you know we we need to remember and really appreciate the 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 moment that that game was. So I I, I put that on here as as a game that you know maybe maybe it's it's not really fitting into this underrated category that well but again to me it it just gets lost in the shuffle a little bit and and I really think that it shouldn't um in my last moment here I'm going to go with the 2012 technically uh the 2012 Outback Bowl against Georgia and this is one where you know it finished off Kirk Cousins career we started that game, man. It was what sixteen nothing in the first half. I don't have it pulled up in front of me right now, but it, it, we did not belong on that field. And it was just, you know, there was nothing going on offense. Their defense was making plays left and right. You know, their offense was moving the ball on us uh, pretty efficiently, and it just felt like here's another kind of, you know, bowl game SEC team We're we're going to get dog walked in this one. And, um, you know, we'll go back to East Lansing and, you know, hopefully we can just compete in the big 10. And then the second half comes out, Kirk Cousins catches fire a little bit. Darquez Denard has a pick six and, you know, we, we get it into overtime. And of course, you know, you have Anthony Rashad white blocking the field goal attempt in triple overtime. And, and that was, you know, D'Antonio's first bowl win at Michigan State after a couple, you know, we had the uh another game against Georgia with uh was that was that Matt Stafford at quarterback, no Sean Moreno. You had the Boston College bowl game against Matt Ryan. And it was it was a, a really again, you know, you start looking at these games of kind of what launched this period of dominance, and you have some of these moments where we showed glimpses of competing against the great teams. And so that's one that I think definitely deserves to be on this kind of underrated con- conversation. Um, now, Tyler, I wanted, I wanted to go through because he, you know, you could tell he put some work into this as well. I wanted to go through his uh, five moments and we have a couple that are, are the same or at least very similar. Um, so he gave us the 2012 Buffalo Wild Wings Bowl. Uh, the game-winning drive, you had Connor Cook going down the field and, and getting a field goal to win that game. You had a preview of Connor Cook's career, gave the team a springboard to the 2013 Rose Bowl season. That's a good pick there, the Buffalo Wild Wings Bowl against TCU. 2009 at Purdue, nice deep cut from Tyler here. Kirk Cousins to B.J. Cunningham for 73-yard touchdown in the fourth quarter. Cut Purdue's lead to four points, made the score 34-30. Spartans scored 17 points in the fourth quarter for a 40 to 37 win on the road, securing bowl eligibility, uh, set up the 2010 Big Ten championship season. Uh, And then you have the 2012 Outback Bowl. So a shared one here, Uh, triple, triple overtime field goal blocked Antonio's first bowl win 2010 at Wisconsin. So this is you have Chris L. Rucker stops uh, David Gilreath, three yards shy of the first down on fourth and 17. MSU goes on to win 34 to 24, giving D'Antonio his first win over a top 15 opponent at Michigan State. That's a good one. I was at that game. I think that was Jonathan Clay, Wisconsin. I, I'm trying to remember. Let's get my stat guy on this one. Uh, 2010 Wisconsin. I was that the 
Keyshawn Martin punt return touchdown game. Trying to remember exactly which one this was here. This was this was the Keyshawn Martin punt return game. Okay. Um, I was at this game. So that was uh, a Wisconsin team with, yep, with Jonathan Clay, James White sharing a backfield with Monty Ball as their third running back. That's ridiculous. Scott Tolzien, Nick Toon, Jared Abraderis. That that was a good Wisconsin team. They went into that game four and one uh, at Michigan State. Uh, we came out on top with that one, and and yeah, that's that's a great pick from from Tyler there. Uh, that, I think I had this game on my top five uh, Michigan State games uh, podcast a few few weeks back. If you guys want to check that one out. Um, I get these years mixed up, you know, I'm, I'm only 26, but I feel a lot older. <laughs> uh, and the last one he had, a, you know, again, kind of a shared one here, 2010 at Penn State, first of three Big Ten titles um, where we clinched at that game again after the Iowa loss. Um, and then you have Michigan State's first Big Ten title since 1990, enough said. So um, great list there. Uh, a lot of underrated moments. I, I even had one here. Uh, that was a loss. That was an interesting one was, you know, you go back, it was D'Antonio's first season and we were taking on the number one ranked Ohio state Buckeyes who went on to a national championship game in that season. They didn't, they lost it to LSU, but Ohio state was number one in the AP and the, the previous year they beat us 38 to seven. Uh, we were down 24 nothing. Again, it's one of those you feel like, hey, you know, okay, another Ohio State blowout. You know, here we go again. We rattled off 17 straight points and made that a one possession game, losing 24 to 17. But it was one of those games that just kind of showed that D'Antonio attitude that that rang throughout the program for for his whole time there. That just you know this this relentless push to to com- to compete. And so that that was one. It was a loss. But, you know, when you're playing a number one ranked Ohio State team who had won a ton of games in a row and, and were just coming in steamrolling everybody, they beat us like a rented mule the, the previous year. And so coming out and, and with that comeback, making it a one possession game, I think was a, a nice, you know, again, it's your first season and you're just seeing that D'Antonio competition, that D'Antonio attitude that ranked throughout the program during his time. So um, that would, that was kind of an, a weird honorable mention for me. Um, you know, a couple other ones off the top of my head here, you know, you had the Oregon home game that I, I think, you know, when I don't really know if it's underrated because of how big of a moment that was, I think both teams came into the game top five. Um, you had a lot of special moments, I think. So, uh, the 2017 season as a whole, <laughs> you could throw in there because after 2016 and before what we know happened in 2018 and 2019, just having another 10 win season in there to, to show the national folks that, you know, Hey, the, this program, while we've taken a little bit of a downturn, we're still a 10 win program. So, um, I think you could throw that whole season in there altogether uh now getting into top five unsung players this is impossible to pick only five but you know i tried to limit it here i took some liberties on my last pick and i'm going to start with a guy that we always forget about for whatever freaking reason that's bj cunningham 
This guy's the all-time leader in receiving yards and second in receiving touchdowns in program history. But the way that, that he's talked about, you would never expect that. I mean, he was a you know three-star guy, came in, but Michigan State was his only Power 5 offer. He had a bunch of Mac schools. He was coming out of Ohio. Freshman year, he comes in with, with Brian Hoyer as a quarterback with over 500 yards as kind of the third receiver there. Uh, second year, he was playing second fiddle to Blair White at a nice season, and then he broke out. You know, it's junior season, senior year, he had 1,300 yards. That was 2011 season with Kirk Cousins. But again, you just, you don't get the feeling when you talk to Michigan State fans, oh, who, you know, who are your favorite, you know, wide receivers over, you know, the course of the last couple of decades. And, you know, what, what were some of your favorite players? B.J. Cunningham's name never comes up in those conversations. And, you know, again, for the all-time program leader, you're talking about, Charles Rogers, Andre Risen, you're talking about Derek Mason, you're talking about Tony Lippett, some amazing players, and, and he's atop all of them. And so I think BJ Cunningham definitely deserves a shout out here as, as an unsung hero for Michigan State football in the D'Antonio era. Um, another guy that I just, you know, maybe for people that watched him and remember him i don't think he'll he'll fit this category but i think for the younger fans greg jones was better than max bola better than riley bola better than joe bocce this was the best linebacker i've seen at michigan state and, and i wasn't you know around for percy snow um i i i remember julian peterson but he was more of just a pass rushing guy. You know, if we're talking about like a true middle linebacker, you would have to go back to Percy Snow to really find a guy that made the impact that Greg Jones did. In four seasons, 465 tackles, 46 and a half tackles for loss, 16 and a half sacks, two time All American. Who? Greg Jones. Who? Greg Jones. This guy was, I mean, just my favorite probably my favorite Spartan of all time. And, you know, again, for the younger fans, they just, you know, you, you know, we've had so many great middle linebackers over the course of the last few years that, that he kind of gets lost in time a little bit. And I had to put him on my list because he was my favorite player and, and a guy that with the Bola brothers and with Joe Bocci coming in, I, I just hope that his legacy doesn't get forgotten about. So, so Greg Jones had to be on my list here. Uh, my third one, I'm going Lawrence Thomas. This was a top 50 national recruit, a, a guy that came in with, with big hopes. Uh, one of our biggest recruits in a long time. Uh, he dealt with some injuries early on in his career. We, we moved him to fullback because uh, my guy, Nico Palazzetti, a guy that I, I played uh, at the same high school as him. He was like just a couple years before me when I was a freshman watching him at Catholic Central. And he was just, man, that was a mean dude playing fullback. Um, but he busted up his ankles. So Lawrence Thomas moved over to fullback. He started the whole 2012 season. I uh, played a good portion of the 2013 season on both sides of the ball. He was playing some fullback, but he, he really primarily moved to defensive tackle. And then from 2013 to 2015, he played defensive tackle for, for that whole time. And again, he came in as a middle linebacker. So 
you know, he was a guy who moved around a lot, you know, from linebacker to fullback to defensive tackle. Um, and and really, by the end of his career, I think just became this this underrated guy who was a you know the run stuffing gap plugger in the middle, but he was such a reliable force on that defensive line and a guy who because he was the interior guy who was just responsible for plugging up gaps, using his athleticism and his strength. He he didn't get the stats, so he didn't get the accolades that you know a a Shalik Calhoun that you know some of these guys did. But he he deserves every bit of the respect of Michigan State fa- fans who who can appreciate football and appreciate you know what he meant to that defense and the attitude that he brought and the athleticism that he brought to stay on the field against you know these Ohio States these these Alabama type teams that. He can match up with those guys, so so he was a guy that, that that gets lost in all of this. And did he live up to the the billing of a top fifty recruit? Maybe not, but that doesn't mean that he wasn't one hell of a football player. So uh, Lawrence Thomas is a guy that I put on my list here. Edwin Baker is my fourth guy. When you look at Michigan State running backs, we all know Javon Ringer, we all know Le'Veon Bell, we all know. Jeremy Langford, um, but Edwin Baker fit a nice little hole in the middle of all of that. And he was a guy who he had one season as the true starter, a couple years where he was split in time. You know, in 2000 and, uh, 2009, he was with Larry Caper sharing the backfield. 2011, Le'Veon Bell comes to town and they're splitting carries. Um, 2010 was his lone year as a starter. He, he finished the year with 1,200 yards and 13 touchdowns. He had 500-yard games. Again, 2011, splitting carries with Le'Veon Bell. He finishes the the year with over 600 yards. And here's a guy who in he played two games against Michigan, totaled 314 yards in those two games. Um, but he he's just a guy who gets lost in the shuffle of all these really good running backs. He's top 15 all time in in the program in total rushing yards. And he's a guy that I think, you know, we just don't remember. Uh, and so he was a starting running back for a Big Ten championship team. He was in the mix for for another team that went to a Big Ten championship game against Wisconsin. He was a big part of that team as well. Um, but, you know, over over 2,000 yards in his career, just under 20, t- well, 20 total touchdowns if you include receiving. Um, just a, a really tough, tough running back, hard to bring down. You know, I remember a couple runs against, there was a home game against Notre Dame. That was the little Giants game. He had a couple runs in that game where he's shedding tackles. You know, you couldn't stop this guy with an arm tackle. He was compact, low to the ground, strong runner um, that just, you know, again, with so many great running backs, he gets lost in all of it. So Edwin Baker, I think definitely deserves a shout out here. And for my fifth spot, again, I'm going to take some liberties here. As a former kicker, I got to stick up for my special teams, guys. And I'm going to list off all of the kickers and punters of the Mark D'Antonio era because special teams were such a big part of his game plan. This was a team that was, you know, defense, special teams, and then the offensive side of the ball. And, and it worked really well for a long time. So um, all my guys here, he had uh, the start of his career, he had Brett Swenson, who's currently the all-time points leader in Michigan State football history. Um, a guy that I met when I was at a kicking camp at Michigan State. Nice guy, you know, salt of the earth, great kicker, 
um, a lot shorter than you would think. Uh, <laughs> uh, but, a, you know, a great player. Dan Conroy, he had so many big moments, uh, so many game-winning field goals and just an awesome kicker. Michael Geiger, of course, we know the, the Ohio State game. Matt Coughlin, he, the Penn State finish, he had a, a lot of great moments there. And then you you had the punters and Mark D'Antonio's entire time at Michigan State until 2019, um, and and 2018. I guess you had this revolving door because of injuries. Uh, he's he had three starting punters, which is insane. <laughs> you had Aaron Bates, Mike Sadler, Jake Har- Jake Hartbarger. All of them were three or four year starters, and, and all of them were were very very good. So I just wanted to shout out all the special teams guys because I'm a special teams guy because I know the importance of it and I know that these guys never get the love that they deserve. You know, it's they they get their one moment when they get a game winning kick, but you know when you add up all of these all of these moments and all of these points that these guys are putting on the board, and you know it's you don't really realize until the end of a game that you know, those two field goals in the second quarter were the difference or, or that those, you know, that that 50 yard kick in the middle of the third quarter that, you know, kept that drive, you know, gave us points on that drive and ultimately won the game. It, it just doesn't get appreciated, you know, and these guys, I know it's I know it's not sexy. I know it's just, you know, hey, it's a field goal kicker. But I mean, Brett Swenson, Brett Swenson scored 377 points in his career. Michael Geiger scored 357 points in his career. You know, Dan Conroy scored 283 points in his career. Uh, you know, Mike Sadler flipped the field and and changed so many games with his leg. And and I mean, it's just something that doesn't get appreciated. And I know that as a special teams guy. And you know, maybe we don't deserve the same love as a quarterback. But you know, at the end of the day, the special teams is such a big part of the game. Every coach will tell you there's three phases and they're all equal, Mich- or, uh, offense, defense, and special teams. And you, you start to see that when you have bad special teams play. And there was, you know, we remember that 2018 season where it was a revolving door at the punting spot. And when you're going from putting the opponent on, you know, inside their own 20 to giving them the ball at the 40 that makes such a big difference for your defense that it puts more pressure on your offense the special teams is something that you know i I think always will get underappreciated in football and and until the end of time and it's something i know and i just wanted to give a shout out to my punters and kickers out here and my guy tyler giving dan conroy so his his list of five He's got my dude, Dan Conroy. I, I appreciate the kicker love. Uh, he was a first team uh, all Big Ten in 2010, top five in MSU history and career points uh, and field goals. He has the record for most field goals in a season with 23 in 2012, game winning field goals in the Buffalo Wild Wings Bowl and in the Outback Bowl. Uh, he, he had a, a kick that forced another, a third overtime in that Outback Bowl. Uh, you know, again, the, you know, 2011 Ohio State, he had a 50 yard field goal that ended up being the the difference in a 10 to seven win. You know, it's it's not sexy. It's not one of those where it's it's not always going to be the last second walk off field goal. You know, it might be in the third quarter. It might be in the second quarter, but those those are make a big difference. So I really 
I my face lit up when I saw that that he had a kicker on here, and that, that made me really happy. So shout out Tyler for that. Um, he also had Keith Nickel on here, uh, stepped in for an injured Kirk Cousins against Michigan in 2009 during the fourth quarter, helped guide Michigan State to an overtime win, uh, made the switch from quarterback to wide receiver out of necessity for the Al- Alamo Bowl in 2010 against Texas Tech after the Rather Hall incident, uh, threw a three-yard touchdown pass to Charlie Gant against Penn State in 2010. Um, caught the rocket pass, you know, against Wisconsin, the Hail Mary there. Uh, and then as a senior, 17 of his 26 receptions resulted in a first down or a touchdown. Nice, nice stat from Tyler there. So Keith Nickel, that's a guy I, I talked about in the top 40 quarterbacks episode. Um, again, if you haven't, go go check that out. I broke down my top 40 quarterbacks in MSU history. Um, Keith Nickel made a late appearance on that. You know, you, you start getting to the back end of, of 40 quarterbacks in college. Uh, you get some interesting names, but but Keith Nickel, I broke down a little bit of his career. And again, I had a lot of fun with that episode. So if you haven't checked it out, make sure you do. Again, you know, if you're a historian, if you like, you know, kind of re- remembering guys from from early in your years or or even hearing about some of the guys that happened before you were alive. It, it was a fun episode. It's a fun listen. Um, went down into, you know, everybody from the 60s, the 70s, 80s, 90s. You know, it was it was a lot of fun. Trevon Pendleton, the fullback. I love this. Uh, you know, he had the 50-yard the catch against Michigan uh, where he set up the first score of that game. The, the Rose Bowl touchdown, he had that. Uh, 12-yard touchdown pass against Ohio State in 2015. He had the uh, another one that that he didn't have on here was the was it like 70-yard uh, uh, reception and yeah, man, this guy had a lot of big moments. Um, and he's a fullback, so you know he's never going to get appreciated as as much as a running back or anything like that. So uh, Trevon Pendleton, great pick, uh, the fullback from 2012 to 2015. Uh, next pick another one. This was a guy that I was so close to putting on my list, Eric Gordon. He was the a shared linebacker with Greg Jones and he is, is, uh, he was an all big 10 second team. He's number 12 all time in, in total tackles in MSU history with 331, uh, ahead of Max Bola, you know, who had 2,299. He's 15th all time in school in uh, tackles for loss with 29. Started 49 out of 51 career games. That is a great pick. You know, I think a lot of people who were paying attention to Michigan State at that time, or everybody who, who was paying attention to Michigan State, remembers Greg Jones. Not enough people remember Eric Gordon. That that was an outstanding player, outstanding just Big Ten linebacker. He had, yeah, I think he had a neck roll. Let me find a picture of him here because I believe that he had the the neck roll, uh, but it, just an awesome, awesome linebacker and a guy that that definitely should be remembered well uh, for his time at Michigan State. Yeah, he did have that black neck roll. I love it. Um, so Eric Gordon on there as well, and then his last pick, number five, another guy I considered. Marcus Rush, uh, he started 53 games at defensive end. That's a school record. Big Ten honorable mention, all Big Ten honorable mention three times, which is just the epitome of an unsung hero, a guy that even the all Big Ten people are like, 
hey, you know, this this maybe isn't a first, second team guy, but, you know, we have to give him the recognition. So uh, that, that was uh, – he's all-time in MSU, number eight all-time in MSU in sacks and tackles for loss. He he blocked the field goal in that Baylor game. So that's, that's a great pick as well. So, uh, man, a lot of fun going through some of these. There's a whole long list of, of other moments and other players. So if you uh, believe that something was left off of either of our lists, make sure you tweet at Standing Room MSU on Twitter. Let me know what I'm missing here because I know there's a lot of them, uh, a lot more that were going through my head as well. So at Standing Room MSU on Twitter, let me know what you think of my list. Let me know what you think of Tyler's list as well. Uh, leave a review. It, again, it, it really helps. It really helps me out. Um, so if you are listening to this right now, stop what you're doing. Take five seconds. Go on Apple Podcasts to the review section. Five stars. Ask me a question on there, and I will definitely put some thought and research into your question, and I will answer it on the podcast. It doesn't even have to be about MSU football. The last episode on Thursday, if you listen, we did you know, my favorite tailgate drinks, uh, beer, cocktail, and shot. We did. Um, somebody asked me if I could live in any college football stadium, which one would I choose? So it doesn't even have to be about Michigan State football. It doesn't have to be about the Big Ten, but you know, just whatever's on your mind, let me know in that Apple podcast review that you are currently filling out right now as you're listening to this. Um, I really appreciate that. And again, follow on Twitter at Standing Room MSU. Leave me a review, subscribe, tell your friends and family. I really appreciate the support out there, folks. So have yourselves a week. Take care, folks.